Awesome. Well, listen, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to uh, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. If you're taking notes today, uh, the message is simply entitled United, United, United. Thanks, Jen. United. If you're at Exodus 17, say, oh, yeah. Good job. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Uh, God, for people who believe it wholeheartedly, God, from front to back, uh, Lord, we not only believe it, but God, we choose today to be obedient to it and submit to it. Uh, Lord, we want to be people, just as Jesus said, God, that built our life upon the rock, that built our life upon the word. And so, Lord, today we just ask that the word of God would take root in our hearts greater than before. Father, just simply uh, just give us faith to believe it today and faith and courage to walk it out. So, Lord, uh, we just invite God, just as a family today, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and just sit in our midst today and do what he does best. And that's teach us today. So, Lord, we on our side, we just open up our hearts wide and say, Lord, uh, we want to hear whatever you have to say today. Uh, God, feel free to encourage us to correct us, to bring life, however you want to do it, do it today. Father, we just thank you for your life-giving spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, last uh, Sunday morning, I was just going through my uh, normal routine. Obviously, we had the Perry's here last week. And uh, so my mind was in a little bit different spot, but I was kind of going through my normal routine. In the middle of last Sunday, I was just downstairs uh, before church. Uh, I, I just heard the Lord speak to my heart today that he wanted me to share with you uh, concerning unity. And uh, initially, my thought was um, unity, basically unity as a church. And as the week kind of progressed, uh, I felt really impressed in my, in my heart that the Lord uh, just said this simple phrase, basically that he wanted me to uh, think beyond the church and reach into the home. They want me to think beyond the church and reach into the home. He kind of shifted things. And so uh, more specifically, what I want to do today is I want to share with you uh, concerning unity between husband and wife. Now, listen, I, I'm aware that some of us in this room are not married. And, uh, and I remember, you know, years, especially when I was in my early 20s before I got married, anytime uh, my pastor would begin to preach on marriage, I checked out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's one of those Lovey, dovey, whatever. Anyways, li- listen, today what I'm going to share, don't check out. Um, it- it's just everything I'm going to share today would be great in any relationship. Okay, if it's, if it's with your mom and dad, if it's with a friend, uh, or, or even this. Here's maybe a, a better thing I should tell you guys. Um, if you're single in this place today, you should be praying, God, prepare me to be the spouse that I need to be one day. And so when there's a message that comes forth, kind of like today, li- listen, there's... Uh, man, hundreds and hundreds of books written on marriage, and we're going to get like a small spot today. I mean, I'm not, you're going to walk away today going, man, you could have covered this, this, and this. Yes, but I'm just going to release what I feel like the Lord's given me, okay? We'll deal with that, and we'll leave the rest up to him. But listen, if, if you are single, um, you should be in your own heart preparing to be the great, greatest spouse that you could be one day when the Lord says, okay, now's the time. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yes. All right. Somebody got it. I'm with you. Good job. So listen. All right, so I think we would all agree that if there's a lack of unity in our homes, then we will never have the opportunity to truly enjoy the benefits and the blessings of corporate unity as a church. Listen, the reason I say that is because if there's disunity in our homes, when we come to church, we bring that disunity with us. And the opposite is true of when there's unity at home, when we come to church, we bring that unity with us as well. 
So listen, if we realize it or not, one erodes and chips away at the body life of the church. Okay, so disunity, in other words, if we live in dysfunction, disunity at home, uh, as much as we would like to put on our religious mask when we walk in that door, amen, uh, listen, we can't fake or fool the Holy Ghost. And so, and, and as much as we think people don't see what maybe we think they don't see, they see it. Is that, it's truth, is it not? Am, am I being okay? Y'all got to worry. I asked the Lord to help me be really encouraging today. So anyways. <laughs> So, so listen, but, but if we know it or not, and, li- and I'm not saying this to discourage or dishearten anybody, li- listen, every one of us are in a process. I don't care how long you've been married, Jesus is working, alright? He's doing something. But, but just to understand, so you see the importance, once again, one erodes, talking about disunity, one erodes and chips away at the body life of the church, while the other one, meaning unity, strengthens and brings spiritual health to the body life of the church. Amen. So let me let me maybe even give you an example. What if the Lord decided to open up the floodgates and, and you know, whatever, uh, 15 young couples came in here that were completely dysfunctional? Wouldn't it be awesome to have the type of marriages in this church that are strong, that are in unity to say, you know what, uh, you, you're struggling. Why don't you connect with this group and let them mentor you and help you through this? I, I, listen, I'll say this. As far as for Jennifer and I, there's been seasons of our life we sure could have used that. Amen? So, listen, with those kind of thoughts in mind, let's read this. Exodus 17, we're going to read verses 8 through 13. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. If you don't have that translation, uh, maybe just look up at the screens with me. It says this. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim. I'm from Alabama. That could be wrong. All right? So while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. It says, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the hill. Verse 11. It says, And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the privilege, sorry, they had the advantage or they prevailed. It says, But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage or, the, or they prevailed. And verse 12 says, Moses' arm soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. It says, then they stood on each side of, of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. It says, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed. That also means that he completely defeated the army of, of Amalek in battle. All right, so let me say this. The Bible speaks a whole lot about unity, and it speaks a whole lot about disunity. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I feel like... Out of all the passages of Scripture, I had all kinds of my notes, but God wanted us to focus on this Scripture. And I think it's even maybe a unique one because maybe your experience is like me, but most of the time I've heard uh, sermons preached from that passage in particular. It always centered around leadership and holding up leadership's arms through prayer and support. Anybody with me? And even though I think that's a great application from that portion of Scripture, that's not the approach we're going to take today. So I'll admit it. It's going to be unique, but here's the way I want to approach this. Are you with me? Here's the approach I want to take. I actually want us to view Moses not as an individual, but I want us to view him as a married couple today. I actually want us to view Moses as a married couple today. All right, so listen, uh, because I'm visual, 
Kyle says it's because I'm a retired youth pastor, but it's because I'm visual. I want to, I want to just put a few people in place today just so we can see a few things, okay? So um, I'm going to pick this handsome guy right here to be Rephidim for us. Thank you. You're amazing. Appreciate it, Stretch. So anyways, all right, so we're going to do this. I, I, I wanted to pick an awesome couple, uh, and that's Mr. Gene and uh, Miss Becky shaking his head. But I, I don't know why. Every time when I kept preparing for this, I kept thinking about these guys. This guy brings a lot of joy to my life. Come on up. I, I, he's one of those guys that when you're preaching, you look out. He really encourages you. So come on, come on, come on, come on. These guys are going to be Moses today. I don't know what you said. I'm just giving a courtesy laugh. <laughs> if you guys want, I want you guys to go ahead and sit down. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, I asked him before church. I said, hey, can you help me today? He said this. You're not going to ask me a whole number, are you? <laughs> he saw what I put that other poor guy through. That was bad. If you can, just hold that. Thank you, Mr. Gene. All right. So, yep, just keep that side showing. All right. Here we go. So, um, I guess just for kicks, whatever, just fun. I'm trying to use some different new people today. So, Mr. Michael, can you come up and help me, please? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, you. Just stand, just stand right here. That's, everybody say hello, Aaron. All right, so I need a her. What an awful name, right? Her. If your mom's named that, I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, come here, Mr. Bruce. Come on, help me out. Oh, no. If you can, just hold this and, and stand and stand, uh, stand over there by that handsome fellow right there. I'm getting in trouble in the front row. All right, here we go. Just stand beside. Don't, don't, boy, come on. Can't trust that man. All right, here we go. So, all right, so, and I need a Joshua. I need a Joshua. Does anybody want to help? I keep picking on people. Awesome. Come on up, buddy. You're a good man. Just stand right here, Bruce. Hold that right there. You're going to be standing a while. You're a good man. Lobster man, you can handle it. Great. Here we go. <laughs> Jen says it's a light burden today. All right, here we go. That it is. All right. So let's take a few minutes and let's work through this passage. So in verse 8, it says this. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. So I want to start off by bringing two definitions uh, to your attention. The word Rephidim actually means this. You with me? Awesome. It, it actually means this. It means a resting place. So watch we're going to kind of maybe skip ahead here. The name Moses here. Can everybody see that? The name Moses. Most of us know Moses as if we look in a, in a uh, you know, a child book or whatever. It, it actually we see drawn out of water, drawn out, drew out or whatever. But before it was actually shifted and became that, what we know it's now, it actually meant son. Flip that. You're the man, dude. Son. So watch this. So here we have God's son, God's daughter, sonship, if you will. We have them hanging out at a resting place. Now, let's be honest today. How many times have you and your spouse, two children of God, two lovers of God, been in a resting place? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That this is a place where you're enjoying one another, you're laughing, you're spending quality time together, communication's going well, you're enjoying a season of refreshing, a season of peace and joy in your marriage. Things definitely aren't perfect, but they sure are good. And it seems like out of nowhere, you're blindsided by attack of the enemy. 
To say that you were surprised is an understatement. In fact, you were completely caught off guard. You weren't prepared. You were caught with your knickers down. You feel me? All right, here we go. So watch this. So at the flip of a switch, the season of refreshing, it's over. Listen, your emotions start getting the best of you. You are no longer enjoying each other's presence. Come on, don't be churchy. I'm oversaved. Don't be oversaved in here. All right, here we go. So listen, it's kind of this. I thought about you, but nobody better be laughing now. Right? Here we go. So, listen, quality time, what's that? You're too busy avoiding each other like the plague. Why? Because every time you communicate with one another, it definitely isn't seasoned with love and grace. In fact, every time you open your mouth, you spew out negative tones and a bad attitude. Peace and joy, they're like Elvis. They've left the building. Amen? So, listen, to put it plainly, you want to run for the hills. Has anybody ever been there? Wave your hand at me. Come on, be honest and don't be a liar. Mr. Bill, she is waving her hand. You should wave yours, too. All right. So, listen, I believe it's in these moments that God wants us to step back and recognize or notice a few things. And the first thing I believe he wants us to notice is found in verse 8. Notice it said that the children of God were hanging out in the resting place. But watch this. It says that the warriors, the warriors of Amalek, of Amalek, of Amalek attacked them. So here's the simple point is the Israelites didn't attack themselves. Meaning this, that God's children didn't attack God's children. Remember, we're talking about our homes and marriage here. So, now, listen, I would love to say this. I would love to sit here and stand before you today and say, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. It never happens. But the truth is, it does and we do. How many times in the heat of the moment have we treated or spoke to our spouse, the person that we love with all of our hearts, like they are the enemy? How many times have we drawn the battle lines? How many times have we forgotten that we're on the same team? See, the enemy really likes to sit back and watch us put on our verbal boxing gloves and go at it. He loves it. And the reason is, is because that's one of uh, the best ways that he can cause division in our marriages and in our home. So let me ask you this. Maybe you can wave your hand at me. I'm, I'm an interactive kind of guy. So listen, how many of you guys know that a house divided cannot stand? Now, this is the point. The enemy knows that if he can keep us divided, that he can keep us powerless. Sub! No, I'm playing. He was, I'm kidding. I need to slow down. Sorry. Wake up. All right, here we go. So listen, if he can keep us divided, he can keep us powerless. That's why he puts all of his best efforts in that. Right? That's why, let me say this, it's why some of us in this room wonder why we can't get ahead in our marriage. Listen, if you think I'm overstating things, remember what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Let, Let me maybe preface this. Men, quit looking at this scripture like it means women are weak. Because that's not the case. All right? Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll go into that more later. But hear it from right heart. And I probably shouldn't have said that without giving better info behind it. But we won't. Here we go. All right. So, so husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why is he telling us to do this? Watch this. That your prayers may not be hindered. 
that your prayers may not be hindered. God, why are you not answering my prayers? What's your relationship like with your spouse? Listen, if, if I'm having issues and issues and issues and I'm always disgruntled always on the opposite end with my spouse, the Bible clearly says that I'm hindering my prayers. Now, do you not think the enemy doesn't know that? He knows that. Listen, that's why he's going to once again give all this effort to cause disunity in your home because he realizes that your effectiveness against his kingdom begins. It starts with your prayer life. Great place to say amen. That is our weapon, right? Is praying the word. All right. So we, we can go more into it. All right. So once again, wave your hand at me if you know that we do not war against flesh and blood. Yes, flesh and blood. Watch this. Don't miss this. Receive it the first time, okay? Did Jesus not say, and the two shall become one flesh? Are you seeing where we're going there? That we do not war against flesh and blood, and Jesus said the two shall become one flesh. I say that to simply remind us this, is that we aren't supposed to war against one another. I'm saying that again and again and again because some of us don't believe that. Listen. We already have a pretty awesome enemy, and I don't mean like cool. I mean, he, he, he's, no, he's no slouch, all right? He's good at what he does. He's got a lot of practice, okay? Uh, he's been, uh, let me just say, so he's pretty good at attacking us and making our lives pretty difficult. I say that to say this. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need it, okay? And, and listen, that's not saying that, that anybody in the room is demon-possessed or whatever, but there's times where he plants thoughts in our mind and we have the opportunity to run with it. Yes? That's why, that's why we better be people that have the thoughts of God running through that all the time. Because why? Because when a thought comes opposite of that, we can recognize what spirit it is of. Amen? So here's the simple point I'm trying to make here. And, and I know I've said and said it, but I'll make it. A little bit more clear here. Our spouse is not. Somebody say is not. Our spouse is not our enemy. So listen, we need to quit behaving like they are. Once again, when you began your marriage, however it looked like when you began, you realized that that person was for you and not against you. You realized that that person had good intentions towards you. Nothing's really changed. Just life happens. Right. Maybe maybe you can get it this way. Um, just because you got married doesn't mean that the enemy ran ahead. In fact, I personally believe that when you get married, he turns up the heat. If you don't believe that, stop for a second. Look at the landscape of our nation. I'm not just talking about the homosexual agenda. I'm just talking about marriages in general. Trust me, he's attacking them. Amen. And, and listen, there's a thing, and, and I know everybody's got different stories and all that, and I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody. But, but listen, there's a, the, the statistics of marriages in the church failing, right, divorce rate, uh, shouldn't look the same as what it looks like in the world. It shouldn't. Okay? Now, I'll be the first to tell you that marriage is difficult. My wife will maybe be the first to tell you, because she's married to me, that marriage is difficult. I am difficult, okay? I, I recognize that. I'm a hard-headed man. And, and amen, him too. And so, so the, listen, I, I recognize that, but, but there's this thing about um, if Jesus is the center, 
hell and high water, we're going to make it. Amen. Amen. So, you, you know, I kind of personally believe, and hopefully nobody takes offense to this, but if you haven't hit a tough spot in your marriage, you haven't been married. All right, let, let, just for fun, okay? Just for fun. There, there's a, an old pastor on our staff, obviously Penny knows him, and a few people in here, old Dr. Ralph. Uh, Dr. Ralph has said, you know, Doc's, um, the Doc's in his 80s now, he's like 86, 87, awesome man, love him, like Grandpa. Um, he has said this about him and Miss Alice. I think they've been married 60-something years now. And he says this, uh, how Miss Alice has said that uh, divorce was never an option, but murder was. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's get back on track. That was a joke, everybody, okay? We don't believe in that either. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, so listen, so when the enemy comes looking for a fight, because you know, we know he will, right? How does God want us to respond? Look at verse 9 with me. It says, Moses, the son, commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. If you want to know what Amalek means, if you're a nerd like me, it just simply means a, uh, a dweller of the valley. All right? says, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill. Here's what God wants to do. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, most of you probably know, but Moses' staff represented God's power. Okay, It was an instrument of miracles. A few examples of that would be this. is When the waters of Egypt were struck by Moses' staff or his rod, however you want to word it, it turned into blood. Another one would be when the staff was stretched over the streams, frauds came out. When the dust was struck by the staff, uh, lice rose from the ground. Uh, when it was stretched out to heaven, there was hell that fell, H-A-I-L, fell, okay? When it stretched out over the land, locusts came up. When it was lifted up against the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted. We know that at the rock of Horb, when he struck the rock, right, which was a type of Christ, what happened, water flowed out. If you've ever wondered why when Jesus was struck, water came out, there's the type, all right? Fun, fun side there. All right, here we go. So uh, I believe this, so I believe that God, here's the point, that God wants us to respond to the enemy like Moses with the power of God. Amen. God is alive. He is still powerful and he still moves through his people. Amen. So God wants us to respond, not in our emotions, people, but with the power of God. Amen. Not us calling our friend and complaining again about what our husband did. All right. Let me let me put it like we need to put it in this day's age. Not getting on Facebook and, and basically vomiting to the world what you think about your spouse in a cryptic way. Y'all pray for me, please. All right. Go to somebody that actually knows how to pray and confide in them and then work it. All right. Preach it, Pastor. All right. Here we go. So listen, when we as God's sons and daughters walk in unity with our spouse, the miraculous power of heaven that is more than able to defeat the enemy is made available to us. It's at our disposal. It's in our grasp. I'm going to say that again. You can get with me here, man. Come on. Listen, that the power of God, listen, as a married couple, the power of God is at our disposal. Amen. If we're right with God and we're walking in purity, if we're walking in holiness, if we're walking in obedience, the power of God is made available to us. Listen, that most of our weddings, you know, there's officiating pastor reminds us of a scripture that simply says this, that one can set a thousand to flight, two can set 
10,000 to flight. To understand that you are stronger together, so quit fighting alone. See, what's happening in a lot of our marriages, the enemy comes against us and he divides us, and we pout and run to this corner, and then we try to fight. And that's why you get your butt handed to you. Amen? When you need to quit running away from your spouse, you need to run to your spouse and go, let's attack this thing together. Amen? Now listen, I need to do this too. We're all alive, right? I just get, it, listen, we're all working through it, okay? So don't hear me today throwing stuff at you, thinking like we got it all together. We don't, all right? We love each other, committed to Jesus, committed to the cross, uh, def, definitely committed to each other. But, man, we're learning all this too, amen? Because we grew up in households that didn't do this stuff. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, so look at verse 10. It says, So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, watch this, for fun's sake, uh, we got Aaron over here, right? We got Aaron. Aaron, just for knowledge's sake, he's the first high priest. We know he's Moses' spokesperson. And then we got Hur. This is interesting. Uh, actually, the uh, Josephus, the, the old historian, actually said that Hur uh, was Miriam's husband. So, to kind of make sense here, uh, Miriam was Aaron and Moses' sister. So, this guy was actually Moses' brother-in-law. Pretty interesting fact, huh? So, all right, so watch this. Um, if you can, come here. If you can, get on the other side. You guys are doing great. Don't drop it. All right, here we go. <sighs> so, watch this. It says, meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and her climbed. Somebody say Climbed. It says they climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Now, I want you to know today that if we're going to walk in unity with our spouse, then we will need Aaron and her to climb to the forefront of our marriages. We will need Aaron and we'll need her to climb to the forefront of our marriages. Let me explain what I mean and work with me here, all right? Quit cutting up, man. Quit being a class clown. This isn't a time to be a class clown. All right, here we go. So let me explain to you what I mean. The name Aaron, flip it. The name Aaron means strength. Watch this. Her actually means, flip it, liberty. Now, let me take this another step further. Here's what I mean by strength. And I know I probably say that unique. Strength, 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 whatever. All right? Strength. You see it. That word. All right, here we go. Listen, we need to learn and be willing. Everybody, please listen to this. Husbands and wives alike, listen to what I'm about to say, please. We need to learn and be willing to fully lean into or lean on each other's strengths and lead, lean away from each other's weaknesses. We need to lean fully into each other's strengths and we need to lean away from each other's weaknesses. We all know this, and I say this all the time, but let's look in the confines of you as a couple. No scientist or, or brilliant pastor needs to tell you this. But listen, God has wired each of you different. You already know that. Okay? Each one of you have different giftings. You have a different skill set. Correct? So, listen, so we need to recognize and be willing to trust. Somebody say trust. To trust in each other's strengths and each other's giftings. We need to trust in it. I'm going to elaborate this in a minute, but let me go ahead and say it. Everybody, please listen to this. Too often, because of our immaturity in Christ, as immaturity and insecurity as people, we want our spouse, 
I saw about you some example, and he's definitely not my spouse. So we need to get with our spouse and quit being a big baby and go, well, you just need to see what's good in me. I'm so tired of that story, y'all. Is that okay to say that? I'm, I'm, listen, if we would just remove selfishness out of our marriages, we'd be doing so much better. But, but what happens is, is we, we want somebody to notice us so much, we never stop to notice them. If you get your eyes off you, things might go a lot better. Amen? Amen. All right. We might elaborate more in a second. All right, here we go. So we need to give room for our spouse. Once again, we're talking about strengths. We're talking about Aaron here, him climbing to the forefront. We need to give room for our spouse to operate in their strengths. Watch this. When we don't trust and release our spouse, we not only kill unity in our marriages, but we actually can suffocate the life and the joy right out of them. Listen, some of us need to stop being so doggone controlling, and we need to let them breathe. We need to give them some room. All right. Listen, if you are here, I'll just I'll just insert this here. OK, I'll be open with you. Um, Jen and I were in a really uh, tough spot in our marriage. This was, man, I don't know, probably four or five years ago. We, we were just in a in a season, probably about six months where it wasn't going well. OK, once again, love God, prayed, doing the right thing. You know, we just weren't it just wasn't healthy. There were some things that we got out of balance on and got and go got out of kilter on and, and things just weren't going well. And we actually went we sat down with Brian and Leah at their house. And uh, and while we were talking, obviously, you know, um, whatever, we're all in the ministry. there, We're all full time. ministry, all giving our lives to the gospel, all this. And we're sitting there and we just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak. And in the middle of that, basically, the Lord spoke to Brian concerning me. Thanks, Brian. Speak to her. So, um, selfish. All right, anyway, so, so but, but he said this. He goes, man, I, I just basically feel like the Lord wants to point out that you've been treating Jen like one of your interns. And, and watch this. My life consisted, you know, I don't know, 60 hours a week of... You know, running a school of ministry, running a youth ministry. And I was, you know, I can't tell you how many hours a day somebody was sitting in my office and it was mentor, father mode, teach mode, pastor mode, and we're dealing with issues. Right. And we're trying to get these young people prepared uh, to go to go be effective in the kingdom. And sometimes to be effective in the kingdom, you got to deal with the weak spots. Right. In other words, it's sitting there with young men and young women and say, unless you get that in order, God can never trust you to be in ministry. You'll never be able to lead people. OK, without going tons of details. But the problem I had is when I would come home and I would go through that door, I would forget that I wasn't her pastor, teacher, mentor. I was her husband. And so I was treating her and expecting her, uh, pointing out the negative. You've got to get this if you want to go. And I would do all of that with her very unintentionally. But once again, when you grow up and you don't know how to be a dad or a husband, you, you know, you're learning on the fly. And you learn by falling on your face a lot. But I recognized that day that I was trying to control my wife and I was trying to somehow treat her as if she was a ministry student. Anybody with me? So let me say this. Your wife isn't your employee. She's your wife. Amen? Listen, we come from an army town, right? Or at least we lived there 14 years. I lived there 14 years. She lived there 12. I watched husband after husband, even mom after mom, because women are military too, right? They would come home and they would treat their kids like they were one of their soldiers. 
and as a youth pastor meeting again and again and again with these kids and mom and dad are just, you know, just beating them down. Right. And there's no joy, no relationship. It's just always dropping a hammer. Are you following me today? So whichever way you want to maybe word it, because there's different examples there that I'm not using. But the bottom line is, is somewhere in your heart, you got to realize that that's your partner for life. Let me maybe even say this to the women. OK, your husband's not your kid. Quit treating him as such. All right. It's not your job to uh, to make sure he dots every I and crosses every T like you're trying to do with your kids. He's been raised. He has a mama. You're not it. And nor are you the Holy Ghost. So quit trying to be that, too. Am I being too straightforward today? <laughs> Jen just said something really good. We've, ta- we've, t- we've talked about this a lot. But no man wants to go to bed with her mama. Amen. With him. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, do you guys get the point? Yes, no? All right, good deal. Because I was out of examples. All right, here we go. <laughs> but it really goes down to that one word. It's really this. It's the word control. It's, it's really that word, control. And, and let me maybe add another thing, okay? Uh, let, me, let me add this word, manipulation. We can really, really, really manipulate our spouse. Especially, let, let me pick on one group here real quick. Especially if you are more mature in the Lord than your spouse. You can rub that in their face and get self-righteous and try to be their Holy Spirit. Don't do that, please. Okay? Please don't do that. Please don't do that. If, if you have a spouse that's a, little, that's a little bit more behind you, just set an example. Walk the walk. Be encouraging. They'll catch up. Because it's God's will for you to be together. Amen? It's God's will for you to walk stride and stride. They won't always be behind you. Okay, but you but you don't want them to resent God in the long run because you uh, because you keep shoving the gospel down their throat. Okay, Amen. All right. Um, Let me say something else. I'm just going here. I'm just going to be honest. All right. As a spouse, it's not my responsibility to disciple my spouse either. Okay. We can share, we can have devotions together, we can say what God's speaking to us, all those things. But it's not my job to view my spouse as somehow as I'm going to take the position of Jesus and I'm going to disciple her. Negative. Right? We have the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. Okay? And uh, once again, my job is to come alongside. I, listen, I don't, I don't go, Jen, are you reading your Bible? Did you read your Bible today? Did you pray for five hours? Did you fast this week? I don't do that. You know, you know it's a, listen, it's, it's her personal walk with God. It's my personal walk with God. And God is really patient. All right? And he knows how to get where we need to go. In fact, let me, let me jump ahead, but let me say this. It doesn't, I could come in and I could shout scriptures at her every day. I mean, I, she could literally be laying in bed. I could be all, ah! <laughs> I don't know. First scripture came to my heart. How may a young man keep his way pure? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, and she's just sleeping. What, whatever. I can do that every day, and it's not going to help her progress. She ain't going to grow from that. Unless the Holy Spirit brings revelation to that scripture in her own heart, it ain't going to go anywhere. Listen, we all quote that scripture out of Isaiah, uh, basically that the word will accomplish that for which 
He sent it, and we forget the part, the part which He sent it. Not us, that He sent. Amen? All right, let me move on, because we're on time schedule. I told Lindley I'd be done in uh, six minutes. I lied. All right, here we go. So, listen, so we need to discover and perform. Get that. We need to discover, and we need to and encourage our spouse to discover and help them perform their roles. Amen? Listen, we also need to get out of the other person's way. We need to quit telling them how to fulfill their role. They aren't you, and they will never do it the way you would do it. Wired different, right? So let them do it the way they're wired to do it. Am I making sense, you guys? It's, it's kind of like this. Here's what, and I'm not, not going to do a great job explaining this, but it's almost like, whatever, we'll, we'll go with this. I'm pick on here, Mike. So let's say I, I give Mike a task, and I say, no, you're not doing it right. Give it back to me. All right, look, I need you to do this because I'm overwhelmed. Give that thing back to me. How often do we do that in marriage? If I give something, I trust and walk away. It doesn't mean I don't ever have input. It doesn't mean I don't ever have input and I can't get my thoughts. But I got to trust. Trust. Man, this was really awkward. I got to. <laughs> I got to trust my spouse to um, to do basically her role. Are you, are you with me? Yes. Listen, there's only one mom in the house. There's only one dad in the house. Be that. Okay? So, anyways, so I kind of said this, but I'll say it again. Both need to do this. In other words, both need to discover and release, not just one always supporting the other one, always taking the back seat. Hear me, guys, especially fellas in the room. No, women too. Um, Your spouse is equally gifted by God as you are. You, do you get what I mean by that? The call of God on their life is just as great as the call on yours. Okay? So you need to quit expecting them to always bow to yours, to your calling, your giftings, instead of walking. You walk side by side and say, let's go. All right? I'm going to support you. You're going to support me. We're going to do this together. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah? I'm just amazed by how often I see it's like, oh, oh, I'm... It's like they just always want to follow after their spouse. No, stand up, me who God made you to be. Amen? Am I preaching all right, y'all? I like it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, we don't get much sleep. We, we like to have fun. All right, so anyways, watch this. So basically, let me, let me end this, and I really got to start covering some ground here. Uh, unity requires us to be humble enough to admit what we are weak at. And, you, and unity also requires us to be humble enough to acknowledge what they are good at. Amen? All right, so watch this. Let me say this to you. Please, if you haven't heard anything yet, hear this statement. God didn't put the two of you together so that you would contradict one another. He put you together so you could complement and complete one another. Okay? That's why it says that the two shall become one. That's the completeness. You're not supposed to be married to you. You know what I'm saying? That's that's why you're, look, most marriages, most couples, they are like polar opposite. And and that polar opposite stuff, we butt heads in it all the time instead of sitting back and honoring the the differences and going, thank God that you complete me. You with me? So I can't tell you how many times I've I've got, um, you know, I wear my wife out. Every, Every Saturday night she hears this message before you do, okay? Yes, and last night was hectic with all the kids. They, uh, shut up! Anyway, so it, they didn't want to work with us. They kept interrupting. But I can't tell you how many times I've, I've 
wanted to do something. And Jen go, you maybe should say it this way. And I go, and at first, like even last night, I was like, no, this way I'm going to say it. She walked out of the room. <laughs> I changed it because I knew it was like it was like the Lord was like, no, she's right. You need to change that. You know, but but that's yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you yep, yep, yep. So, so, so there's this side of going, um, of going, you know what? She sees the world different. She has a lot more compassion, a lot more mercy, a lot more love that she than I do. Okay. So when, when she goes talking, then I go, um, stop. When, when, when she goes talking, uh, literally the Lord will prompt me to go, you need to listen to that. And that's the, me going, you know, let me honor what's in her. Yes. Because why? Because she completes me, not contradicts. I could get mad and go, why don't you ever let me just say it the way I want to say it? It's not wise, right? All right, I'm losing some of you. I've got to move on. Here we go. So here's the point. Man, I've taken way too long here. All right, so uh, basically leaning into one another's strengths. Here's what we mean. Going back to Aaron. All right, leaning into one another's strengths needs to climb to the forefront of our marriages. Amen? Amen. Let's go to liberty. All right. So here's what I mean. It's going to be very similar, but it's a little bit different. We need to give our spouses the freedom to be who God created them to be. I say this because watch this. It's easy for us to lean into or major on each other's weaknesses and shortcomings when we should be majoring on each other's strengths and successes. Now, here's what's funny about this. Okay, I'll, I'll get this with the liberty side. Isn't it funny that the things that we used to think were cute when we were dating drive us up, up the wall right now? It's like we, we used to go, oh, that's just cute. Oh, that's them. Oh. And I was going, God, I wish I could strangle them, you know. <laughs> but, and, and it's the same. Th- is that not true? Yeah, it is true. Amen. Thank you for being honest. We appreciate you. All right. Rest of you, uh, repent. All right, here we go. So, but listen, as your pastor, I want you to know, li- listen, they were that way before they met you. They were that way when you married them. And they're probably going to stay that way unless the Holy Spirit says, you know what, I want to change that. And watch this. And he'll speak through. He'll speak to them. And more than likely, it won't come through you. Is that okay to say that to you all? Listen, it's 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 understanding that if I keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for change, I'm going to end up getting the opposite result that I'm really looking for. Because instead of, instead of getting them to love me more, I'm actually going to push them away. So watch this. With that said, there is a balance to this, okay? Let me give you the whole flip side. And this is where I say we can't cover everything. But God hasn't called one of the spouse in that relationship uh, to be the doormat, okay? And it's definitely not God's will for you as one spouse to continue to enable your spouse's dysfunction and allow them to be somebody different than God created them to be. So there's the side where we trust God, and then there's a the time where we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit of knowing when. Everybody say timing. That's huge, of knowing when to say something to our spouse. And watch this. As two people who really love each other, we should be able to be honest with one another. Amen? Fellas, embrace yourself. Next part. Thank you. Uh, embrace this next part. Uh, we should be able to hear each other's hearts and concerns without getting defensive Insecure and angry. That's when it gets real right there, isn't it? Of when they come and when they go, hey, I need to tell you something. How many times do we get defensive, insecure, and angry? 
instead of, once again, rewinding it and going, you know what, I love this person. If I, if I really love them like I say I love them, I should be willing to make the adjustments that they're asking for. Okay? I should be willing to make it. Because, once again, I need to remember they're for me. Not, they're not against me. We're on the same team. Um, you, you know, they're not my enemy. They're not saying this because they're after me. They're not saying this to get me. They're saying this because they're wanting us to have a healthier marriage. So let me kind of end this liberty side with this. Once again, we want, we want um, Aaron or we want strength and we want her or liberty to come to the forefront of our marriages. But let me say this in this way as far as liberty. And this might explain what I mean better. It's freedom to be ourselves. And it's us being confident that our spouse accepts us, loves us, and celebrates who we are. That needs to climb to the top of the, of the mountain. It needs to climb to the forefront of our marriage. And it's also this, that freedom to communicate honestly and openly with one another needs to climb to the forefront of our marriage. Are you all okay today? Is that too real? All right, here's the point. When we're willing to invite Aaron and her strength and liberty to climb to the forefront of our marriage, they will always bring unity, security, and support with them. And when we have unity, security, and support in our marriage, it sure does make the fighting a whole lot easier when it comes. What it means fighting with the enemy, not each other. Okay? All right, so look back at verse 11, and we're going to land this thing. It says in verse 11, it says, As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage, or once again, they prevailed. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage, or they prevailed. So the main point from this entire passage here is as long as we uh, stay in unity, we as a couple will prevail against the enemy. But the moment that lack of, of unity comes into our lives, comes into our message, the enemy is going to prevail against us. Okay? It, it's this. Recognize today that the enemy hasn't called you to live defeated lives. In other words, it, it is, or God hasn't called you, sorry, to live defeated lives. That, that it is nowhere in the plan of God for you to think, man, and, and I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it because I, I want to just be clear, that it's not God's will for you to go, well, my marriage is going to suck. Always. That's not the will of God. Somewhere along the line, you've got to invite him in. You've got to be willing to change. You want to be open and say, Lord, we need you to come and take control. Amen. Amen. It's just, listen, this mentality that, in other words, with my partner, I shouldn't suffer through life. I shouldn't dread life. And don't believe, listen, don't believe the lie that, well, God's releasing me because he wants me to be happy. Wrong. You made a covenant. Get right with Jesus, both of you, and make the changes. And God, you'll enjoy life. Amen? All right, here we go. Let's continue. Verse 12. It says, Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer lift them. So Aaron and her, we kind of did it prematurely. But these guys found a stone for him to sit on. So who's the stone that our marriage should be sitting on? It's Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.6, it says, Therefore it is also contained in the Scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief corner Stone, I'm not sure if you can see it, cornerstone, elect, precious. And it says, and he who believes on him, or the couple that believes on him, the couple that makes him the cornerstone of their marriage, it says, will by no means be put to shame. So, watch this. For true identity to work, let me just move here fast. For true unity to work in our marriages, uh, the husband and the wife both need to be uh, currently, it's key word, currently grounded in the word of God. 
the reason I say that is because, listen, listen, guy, uh, I, I don't care what you learned 10 years ago. What's he saying now? Okay, if you're both not currently grounded in hearing the voice of God now and not living off old manna, right, th- then, then guess what? Then you're going to walk in unity. It's kind of, let me maybe put it this way, the kind of mentality is when, when uh, I think it's Genesis 32, when Abraham, the Lord spoke to him and said, basically, go sacrifice your son. And he said, what? He said, me and the boy go worship, right? And, he, and, he, and they go up the hill. He's obeying God. And when they got up there and, and, you know, and obviously built an altar, put Isaac on it, and he went to go kill him. And the Lord said, stop, right? What would happen if he was not currently grounded in the word? That should show you the importance of why we need to be hearing God daily. Yes, and, and understanding, God, what are you doing now? So once again, what I see a lot of times is, is, is basically one spouse is kind of flippant with the word and the other one's totally in it. They're not going to be operating in unity like God really wants. They're not going to. In this battle, you have me standing for no reason, baby. All right, here we go. I want you to notice something. In this entire battle, Moses, the married couple, Jean and Miss Becky, right, uh, Notice they were never doing the actual fighting. They never, they never actually fought the enemy themselves, right? But what happened was, is it was Joshua who was doing the fighting for them. Their unity gave Joshua the ability to fight for them. So what does Joshua's name mean? Flip the sign. The name Joshua actually means Yahweh or God is my salvation, so the name, the name Joshua or Yahshua is actually where we get the Greek translation of Yahshua, which is Jesus. You don't hear me today. So there's that part when we as a married couple, when we have unity, we are given the Lord the ability to fight for us. Are y'all hear me today? That's, listen, if we was in black church, y'all would be shouting, all right? I want you to know that. So. <laughs> Why? All right, anyways, so, yeah, yeah, sorry. Anyways. Thanks, y'all. All right, here we go. So, listen, it, it is the fact that, it is the fact that, um, listen, that when we are in unity, literally, we, we, we don't, we take our hands off the wheel. We're praying, doing our work, and God begins to fight for us. But the moment, once again, that we're in disunity, we hinder the Lord for actually fighting for us. Yes? Amen. So, I don't know about you, but I definitely want the Lord to fight for us. Amen. Let me maybe even add something here, okay? This isn't in the notes, but if you look at actually the next few verses there, it's where the Lord gave a name of his. It's not found in the rest of the Bible. It's only in one place, and it's Jehovah Nissi. And it's basically the Lord is my banner. It's the, basically the flag, the banner. In other words, that we, that we almost, uh, you, you know, we've seen Civil War movies where that poor fellow that didn't have a gun but had the flag ran in the front, right? <laughs> You know, somebody else pick up the flag and go watch the Patriot. Awesome. Right. So anyways, so so they're holding the flag and everybody rallies around that flag. And what he's saying is this. and It's pretty interesting. It says that it says that uh, right there that the Lord basically would destroy uh, the Amalekites. And guess what? Um, but it said that you'll fight them generation after generation, meaning that there's always going to be a Malachite in our life somewhere. But what happens is, because the Lord said he's our banner. Hold that thing up for me. The Lord says he's our banner. Then he's reminding us that he is always available for us to come up underneath that banner and allow him to fight for us. Amen. And when we let him to fight for us, the same way that he brought Moses victory, he'll bring us victory too. Amen. All right. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Because we need a hot dog.
You guys are awesome. Listen, if you're, if you're married and your spouse is with you, just grab their hand. If they're not with you, do it in faith. Hold out your hand. I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> let's pray. Listen, I just believe that as we're talking today, you got, if you want to go down, if you want to go down with your spouse, that's cool. If you want to go find your spouse, that's cool. Right. <laughs> I'm glad. You're awesome. We'll pray. <laughs> you stay with me. All right. <laughs> As we were talking today, there's no doubt that more than likely somewhere along there, if we said it today or maybe it was um, just something that the Lord spoke to you, you recognize that there's a spot that needs to shift. So, Lord, today we just come before you in Jesus' name. God, we let down our defenses. God, we let down our walls. God, we lay down our pride in this moment. Lord, we recognize that the gift that you've given us of our spouse is just that. They're a gift. You gave them to us, Lord. And so, Father, today, first of all, forgive us for just trying to do it our own way. I mean, really, God, there's no other way to say it. Instead of doing it your way of walking in unity, God, forgive us for the time that we have contributed to the lack of unity in our marriage. So, God, today, we ask only that you would forgive us. But, God, can you, can you just come in here and, and just breathe, God, just a new start? Breathe new life on us today. Father, we just ask today, God, that you would help us uh, to invite Aaron and her strength and liberty, God, in our marriages. God, that you would help us hold the power of God, hold the standard of God above our marriage. God, that you would help us sit upon the rock of the word together. God, that you would help us be currently grounded in your word. And so, God, today we just invite you to come and bring healing to our marriages in Jesus' name. Healing, God, healing. Father, and I'm asking today, God, for literally every married couple here today, God, whatever conversation needs to happen when they leave here, God, in the right timing, God, let it happen. But, Lord, let it happen without defensiveness, without insecurities, without pride, God, filling the room, God, without walls being built, God, without resentment, God, without fear. God, we just lay it down and say, Lord, can you just help us communicate in the way that you designed us to communicate as people that are on the same team, on the same side, God, that are for each other, not against each other. And, Lord, whatever adjustments and, and just shifts that we need to make in our own marriage so we can be healthy, so we can have unity, God, so literally so our families can be in a better condition and a better spot, God, we ask you to do it today. God, we ask, God, that you would give us the courage to communicate. And, God, also give us the strength because, Lord, it's in our weakness, Lord, where we really struggle with change. But, Holy Spirit, come and shine the light on whatever needs to be shined on and allow uh, just revelation, truth, and change, God, to come into our marriage and our lives. God, rekindle, God, the fire in our marriages. God, rekindle, rekindle, rekindle. God, let us focus on the strengths and not the weaknesses. God, let us quit majoring on the things that we don't need to be majoring on. And, Lord, help us to major what we do need to major on. Let's remember how awesome they really are and what a gift they are. So, Father, today, just put your hand, put your firebrand, God, on every marriage in this room today. 
God, and do only what you can do. That which is impossible with man is very possible with you. God, thank you, God, that you uh, have called us to enjoy our spouse and to, and to have life and friendship and fellowship and companionship uh, just together. God, companionship. Father, thank you that you uh, said, God, that we're better together than we are alone, and we're stronger together than we are alone. So, Lord, help those things and those spiritual truths to be established in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.